Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, welcome to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Actually, this is going to be a Dave podcast. I'm going to just cut the intro here. Wanted to wish you guys, one, a happy holiday season. Gun season uh, just wrapped up, and if you tagged or punched a tag, congratulations. Our very own A-Rod got it done. Um, so we will, we will get that story out fairly soon, and uh, that's definitely going to be Shedcast-worthy. Pump for him, pump for the squad. Uh, kind of a plan came together. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the details. I actually had to bail on the group about 24 hours prior to, to hunt. Uh, due to some information, uh, I did a little scouting, card pulling on, I think the day before, and the information I received, uh, I had to bail. Uh, I ended up actually having a really good hunt. I saw like four or five deer. I had a bachelor group come in uh, with the up-and-comer on the farm. I actually hunted my small piece, and they, one, it's good to know he's alive. He'll be a stud next year, and I don't know, this other small buck, and the uh, the buck I call G3 is, uh, has evaded me again, and now I don't know if that nickname uh, fits him because he is pretty much busted up a little bit on that side. And his impressive G3, there's only one of those remaining. So we shall see. Uh, we'll see if, if I can maybe link up with him late season. I got two smallish uh, C-level food plots on the, on the farm. Uh, maybe those can, can help me get her done. Um, if you are going to pick up any custom gear, enter code WEXP at checkout. That will save you a little coin. Also, the guys over at Afflictor Broadheads, they are running a Christmas Day special. Enter code X, like X-Men, MAS15. It will save you 15% off. That is good till uh, the 27th of the month. Finally, I would keep an eye on the XOP page here um, over the next month prior to ATA. And that's all I'm going to say about that one, folks. Guys, happy holidays. Enjoy you a cold beverage. Time with friends. Time with family. Team Harder and Bucks, we are not done yet. Me and Dave still got buck tags, and so does Dustin. So we'll uh, we'll put a play together. We still got muzzleloader season. We still got some late season stuff in us. Um, obviously, <laughs> we are betting, bet, our batting percentage late season is a whopping zero on shooting good bucks. Uh, we've seen some, but as far as the encounter on the the, the higher class bucks, uh, we don't have the best track record. But we're going to give it a heck. All right, guys. Enjoy. Dave's Shedcast. Hello, hello, hello. Whitetail Experience podcast coming at you. You got Dave here. Um, our technical specialist, Byron, is not here at the moment, so I'm going to try to crank this out for you guys. And um, I'm in the shed here. First, 
I guess one of the first shed casts of the shed cast season. Usually come winter time, we usually do a lot of these shed casts because I got a couple heaters out here and got the poker table and we all kind of just sit around here and drink some beers and we call them the old shed cast series. They usually get a little wild and crazy, but tonight it's just a weeknight. I'm just going to go over some things with you guys on some things I've been uh, kind of thinking about doing and um, some changes I've been thinking about making to my hunting style um for a few years now i've kind of been transitioning to this anyways um but i think going into the end of the 2022 season and going into the 2023 season i think i'm going to do a lot more ground hunting i've uh done a lot of ground hunting in the past and um i think this year my experiences on the ground have just kind of convinced me to fully almost fully, I'll say, go that route in the upcoming seasons. Um, so for the tail end of this season, you will not see me in a tree stand. Um, I may or may not pop in and out of a saddle a little bit, um, just kind of depending on the area. Um, if I've already kind of pre-scouted the area and I know it's more of a spot where I'd like to be in a tree, then yeah, I will probably take the saddle. But realistically late season i'm not going to any like predetermined spots i mean i'm i'm pretty much going to be hunting evenings scouting my way in looking for sign setting up on it for the last you know hour to two hours of daylight that's pretty much my plan for late season hunts i mean that's kind of the way i've always done it you know um and it seems to work out well and we got that late muzzleloader season as well um, and that's a day that you can always potentially get lucky because you can reach out there a little bit with the muzzleloader. But that'll be on the ground as well. So, yeah, I think I'll be pretty much on the ground the rest of the year. Um, the reasons for hunting on the ground. Um, thinking back this entire season, I have seen more deer and, you know, even had probably more deer in range from the ground than I have from stand. And this is all actually when I was not even going in planning to ground hunt. This is actually when I went in, you know, staying the sticks on my back and I was kind of scouting my way in for an evening hunt. Um, just had a general area in mind, more or less. Um, not, you know, an exact spot scouted out. And, um, you know, while I'm scouting my way in, kind of looking for sign, looking for trails set up on, kind of working my way towards these general areas, I ended up seeing a lot of deer. Um, a lot of midday movement, too, actually, uh, or, or early evening movement, um, you know, before I got up into my stand. And, uh, you know, I I just think that was kind of the the nail in the coffin for me, I guess you could say, on as far as getting up in a tree goes. Uh, you know, I've thought about this for years. You know, every time I go in and I hang the stand, you know, I'm sitting there in a tree stand and I'm just thinking to myself and looking around, you know, like I, I could easily have not hung the stand and still have the exact same shooting lanes and, you know, sometimes lose a little bit of visibility, obviously. But, you know, as far as a deer being in range, you know, I didn't need to be in that tree stand. Now, I know the issue that I'm going to have hunting from the ground, I know all the negatives, you know, it's, it's tough to get drawn back on deer when you're hunting on the ground. So that's something that's going to be an issue that, that I might face. We'll see. Um, but I think I'm going to move to the ground going forward. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, and just I got a few positives I can think about. You know, for one, you go in there in the dark, you know, say you're just kind of blind hanging and hunting, um, you know, and you go you go in the dark, pick a random tree in the dark because you can't really, um, you know, see exactly where if you don't have a tree pre-scouted pre-picked out which i do a lot of in, in when i'm winter scouting but if i'm going to a new area you just randomly pick a tree in the dark you know it gets daylight and you can't see 10 yards you know you got to tear down your whole set in order to move you know and you got the the added risk of making noise making a a ping um not only when you're hanging the stand but even just walking in and out of the woods with a stand on your back and sticks on your back you know you, you go through some brush and you got a a uh, little wispy twig that snaps back and slaps the stand, you know, that'll that'll make a pretty loud noise that, you know, you could eliminate by not even having that stand with you. But like I'll I'll get back to where I was saying, you know, you get in the stand and you, you hang a stand in the dark and you look around and you you know you're you're twenty yards off from where you want to be. Now you got a you know thirty minute process if you're fast as far as tearing that stand down and moving 30 yards and rehanging it you know and if that happens on the ground you know i can just slowly sneak over there i can just move around i'm a lot more mobile um i think even if the leaves are crunchy i mean you can still hunt around the woods and not spook deer i mean deer hear leaves rustling you know as long as you're moving slow you're stopping every so often you know you're making smart choices when you're taking your steps um you know not obviously stepping on twigs and you know not making no big loud pops or we do make a big loud pop you know don't move for a little while you know um you know let if there is a deer in earshot let them kind of get settled back down um you know you're not walking like a human like a normal human cadence you know just just kind of be smart when you're still hunting and poking around and you know you can you can move around quite a bit in the woods without spooking deer and you can get pretty close to deer um and so, you know, just like I said, get back to my original point there. If if daylight, if the sun comes up and I can start to see and I see I'm not in the right spot, I can just move. I don't have to tear down the set, etc. I know some people hang in gray light for this reason. Um, you know, I never do that. I'm always, when I do get in a stand, I'm always trying to get in there well before daylight. But some people hang in gray light to avoid that issue. Um, but, yeah, but in... You know, I always catch myself too when I'm going in there with a tree stand, and I hate doing it, but it kind of has to be done. Is if I don't have an exact tree picked out, you know, I'm shining my my light up looking into trees, looking for trees that have cover, looking for trees that have shooting lanes, and so I'm just beaming up the woods with this spotlight just shining up in the air all over the place. I don't know if lights scare deer or not, but I just it can't be great to just be out there, you know, if, if a deer's off in the distance, he thinks someone's having a disco over there, just shining around, just looking, trying to find, you know, trying to find trees that have good cover that you can climb, etc. You know, so you eliminate all that. Um, and then another thing, which, you know, I don't really care about weight savings that much, but to me, it's, it's kind of an advantage, I guess. Um, you know, obviously, <coughs> obviously not having that stand, and on your back, you're saving a little bit of weight. Um, to me, the weight savings aren't as much as, as that big of a deal because, especially as light as some of these stands and stuff are now. Um, but just like your profile, you know, I can duck and move and kind of 
you know, um, work my way around through the woods and through the brush and through the thick stuff a little bit better if I don't have a stand of sticks on my back. That's also an advantage of saddle hunting that I've talked about in the past over tree stand hunting is, you know, you don't have, you know, the stuff sticking behind your, really, really it's the stuff sticking behind your, you know, head and neck. Because whenever you go to duck underneath something, you know, you always got duck a lot further than, you know, you would if you just had a backpack on. Um, Because that stand always wants to grab everything. You know, I'm eliminating that aspect of it. Um, You know, I kind of already touched on the mobility aspect. I'm sitting here looking at my notes a little bit. Um, Just being able to move, you know, like I know people do it with tree stands. I've, I've done it with tree stands, but say you're rut hunting and you see a doe and maybe you see like a spike buck kind of following that doe on like a trail, you know, that's 70 yards away from you or a trail that you didn't have a good shooting lane on, et cetera. You know, you got to tear down your whole set and move over to that trail because that's where you just had a hot doe come through. So you, so you got to move, you know, and just being on the ground, I could just move, you know, I could just, I don't have to, do this whole teardown aspect of things. And, you know, then if it's cold, you know, and you got your, you know, fingerless gloves on or you got your fingers out because you're trying to, you, you need some dexterity to, to move your stand. Your fingers are freezing. You got to mess with all the stand and then cold sticks and stuff, man. <laughs> it's just eliminating that issue. I, the more I talk about it, the more I'm pumped up about just hunting on the ground and pretty excited for going full on ground game next year. And just... You know, if everything works out and you get a big deer in your lap on the ground, man, that just it just seems fun to me, you know. Um, and then, and you know, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, we're hunting public land only, you know. I, I've missed more, I've missed more big bucks than I have on my wall, um, you know, by a lot. Um, and I know hunting on the ground, you know, that's probably not going to get much better. Um, but I just, you know, I don't have necessarily like extremely high standards. So, you know, to get, you know, even if it's not in a giant buck, but to get it on the ground done right there up and personal in your face, you know, that just, you know, it just gets me fired up. You know, I'm kind of picturing it in my head now as I'm talking and I'm already kind of just, you know, pretty pumped up to have that happen. I mean, hell, I had it happen this year with a buck. Um, you know, it was probably... I don't know, he's probably a hundred inch buck, you know, little eight pointer, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good deer. I, I, I really thought about, you know, drawing back on him a couple times, but, um, I had an up close and personal encounter with this, this smaller buck, uh, on the ground. I was, I was scouting my way in, you know, and it was about noon or so. And, uh, cause I was getting in there early cause I was kind of wanting to check out this area. And, uh, I had this doe come by you know, ahead of me, I saw her going left to right, you know, she was running from something, not from me, and, um, you know, and I had a buck come by, you know, he came trotting by, um, in about 30 yards, and I could have potentially gotten narrow in him then, um, you know, on the ground, then I kind of just snuck up there to that trail he was on, and, uh, I was kind of just scoping out that trail, and I'm sitting there kind of thinking about a tree, debating on if I want to hunt that trail, the doe ran a different trail, do I hunt the trail he ran? Do I hunt the trail the doe ran? You know, I was kind of just, you know, just figuring things out as you do, you know, when you're scouting your way in. And they came, actually came running back towards me together. And um, it was actually pretty awesome. I got to see him actually 
um, breed her probably at about 30 yards away from me. And then they kind of ran back off again. And then as, and then again, I'm sitting there standing there thinking, should I go up to where he bred her at? Should I just hang stand here on this trail that he ran? Should I, you know, I mean, I'm thinking at that point, I think I kind of decided I'm gonna go up there to where he bred her at and stuff because her sense there, his trail that he ran right here. They, they kind of converged. I kind of thought maybe I'll go there. And before I could even move, he came actually running back down the trail he initially ran. And he just came right by me at five yards. You know, I was on the ground. And, um, you know, I it would have been cool to shoot him um, just in that manner. But he was just a little bit too small. But uh, I don't even know what point I was making there. I kind of got on a tangent. But give you guys a little story about this buck I saw breed a doe earlier this year and that was pretty awesome i actually saw another buck that night a, a lot larger buck while i was still on the ground i still hadn't even hung, the whole time i stands on my back never even got to stand hung that that uh that evening saw another buck um a, a, a for sure shooter buck for me and um i actually saw him down on the bottom and i saw some movement and i saw him down there he was making a scrape actually um, and then he kind of started to walk away and I grunted and he actually came back, but you know, like the motor bucks, the smarter bucks do, he kind of just started circling me basically. And, um, there was a little bit of a Creek in between the two of us. And if he would have crossed the Creek, which he could have, it wasn't the best crossing, but he could have crossed the Creek, but it gave me a perfect opportunity to draw while I was on the ground. And once he would have popped up out the Creek, he would have been at, you know, 40, 30, you know, 40 to 50 yards in closing. So, you know, I, I potentially could have sealed the deal on him if that would have worked out, but he kind of stood on the other side of the creek and that creek kind of wrapped around me. The wind kind of swirled a little bit and he caught a little bit of scent. He smelled something was up. Didn't run off immediately. Like he didn't bust out of there. Like he probably didn't know if what he smelled was maybe old, old like human presence Versus like, you know, humans actually there in the moment. Um, I feel like deer can distinguish that difference. But nonetheless, he kind of just got a small whiff of something and kind of just put his nose up, smelled around a little bit and kind of kind of walk half trotted away from me. Didn't bust out of there, though. Um, <laughs> I wish some deer in my past would have done that at, you know, when they've been when they've went to me at, you know, 20, 30 yards. And, um, you know, that's, that's another story to tell there. I've, I've missed a lot of bucks and had a lot of big buck encounters that didn't go my way. And that doesn't happen too often. Um, you don't get too many of those chances when you're kind of chasing them on public like that, but that's another time. We'll talk about that over some beers so I can pout and be more sad, I guess, <laughs> about all those missed encounters. But next on my little list here, oh, um, the ease of leaving at night after a hunt, you know, sometimes you, you hunt, you know, you hunt till dark and you just dread having to tear down that stand and then you got to pack everything up and, you know, you got to you walk all the way back out. It's because you're usually far in there and stuff. I tell you what, man, I'm hunting on the ground. It gets dark. I just stand up and walk away <laughs> like and just, I've you know I've, I've hunted on the ground a lot in the past you know but I think I'm gonna go full-time but man that just that just sounds great man <laughs> you know you're putting in the grind you've been out there a lot you know a handful of days and stuff and in a row and you're getting kind of you know you, you get kind of where it just man it gets dark and I was just like 
dread having to tear down all that whole setup again and pack it up and just just being able to just be like all right well it's dark and just walk away <laughs> let alone you know you can you can be you know if you if you really like the area you kind of tiptoe out of there a little better you don't have to tear down and mess with all this metal shit that could clang around stuff you can just pack you just literally stand up and walk away um i do have a little like fold up little chair that i kind of use now when i hunt on the ground um it's just like a little um i don't even know how to explain it it's, it's kind of like an x-shaped like a scissor style chair just kind of it's got a square seat you know and it kind of folds folds in half and folds flat um and I use that now. I don't know if that's be will be permanent. I would like something a little bit better, I guess. Um, and that chair sits kind of sits kind of high, which is kind of good. It's more comfortable, but like sometimes I just want it to be. I kind of want to be hunkered in a little bit better. Um, but I know this scouting season, you know, I'm definitely going to be looking more for ground setups. You know, the 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 debate is, you know. You, you can't get in the right spot when you're on the ground. It's like, well, it's because all your previous scouting has probably been looking for tree stand locations, you know. When I'm scouting now, I'm going to be looking for ground locations. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there are going to be some spots that I scout out that I'm going to tell myself, you know, you know I'm going to mark it, you know, because I always mark my stuff on Onyx, you know, very detailed in the notes and stuff. But um, I'm going to probably have some areas that are, I'm going to note you need to bring a stand in or saddle nonetheless nonetheless you need to be in a tree I'm definitely going to have those but I'm going to try to favor my scouting to finding ground hunting locations whether that's a big blowdown or um you know whether that's maybe getting up on like a little knob like a little crest um also I like to hunt where I, I really like ground setups when I have large trees, like at like that five to 15 yard distance away from me, in front of me, kind of like in between me and where I think the deer are going to be coming from, the deer trail, you know, trails that I'm hunting. I like to have those large trees near me or maybe like a thick honeysuckle brush, something to where I can get drawn back when the deer's head is behind that um it's it's kind of it's sometimes it's not obviously you can't have the perfect setup on the ground um but you know that's something that you can look for you know to to try to see and try to find when you're looking for these ground setups because then you had you got to figure out a way to get drawn back that's obviously going to be the hardest task in ground hunting i think i'll probably see a lot more deer i think i'll probably jump a lot more deer though and i'll probably i don't know if i'll get winded more because realistically i can i can kind of shift with the wind shifts easier as well and shift with the thermals a lot easier than in a stand where you're kind of locked in so yeah i think i think i'll probably get winded less um but i'll definitely bump more deer i mean but that's part of the game but I'll see more deer, and I'll figure I'll figure them out a little bit, a little bit better, just by seeing more. At least these are my predictions. Um, I kind of already touched on just like this, the still hunting, the in-season scouting aspect of it, the way you can just kind of sneak around a little bit better. Um, I will need to be careful of my ground scent doing that. Um, but you know, I just just that whole aspect of being mobile and being able to 
scout and hunt on the fly. I like still hunting. I've I've been able to still hunt up to a lot of deer. Um, you know, I think it's it gets played as being more difficult than it really is sometimes. Even on spooky public land deer, um, just just knowing how to still hunt. Um, you know, and it'll be a little bit more of a learning process for me. I think I'm decent at it now but i know this is going to be a big learning curve to if i'm going fully on the ground and doing a lot more still hunting just learning how to move learning um i think one of the most difficult things might be learning um like because you never want to backtrack right i mean that's always the the tough part when you're scouting your way in you don't have any exact stand or something that you're just going to set up on a terrain feature or a food source or a you know you don't have like a specific spot you're kind of just scouting your way in you're always questioning whether you should stop on that sign or you should keep going because you know that you just you can't backtrack you know i mean you can but it's, it's just not good you're you're just laying down so much more ground scent you're just kind of eliminating your your chances of um the direction the deer could could approach you from when you're um laying down a lot more ground scent so that's you know, that's obviously going to be an issue with ground hunting and, and still hunting. Um, oh, yeah, my last thing on here. Um, I really like doing this already this time of year. That late October, early November kind of stage of the rut, I guess. Or pre-rut, you can call it that. You know, however you want to do it. Nonetheless, in most areas, there is a hot doe somewhere around that time. And if you're, in, especially if you're in like a big public land track. There, there's a hot doe somewhere in that late October, early November. Everybody's seen the bucks, dog, and does, breeding does. There's usually a doe that gets smelling a little funky early. And every buck in the town will be there. You know, um, I've seen it in person a few times. And just being more mobile and being able to just, just, just scouting around, still hunting around. And then you can find that, you know, it's... I've been in it. I've been in it before on the ground. It's 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 a sight to see. I mean, you'll see six seven bucks, you know, and and the, the bigger one will have that doe kind of locked down, but them them smaller bucks just sit around and kind of wait, you know, because there eventually there's going to be another good buck that comes in there and challenges that buck for that doe, and those that's when those small bucks kind of slip in and try to get them a little piece of that doe while the, while the two bigger ones are fighting, and. Uh, I think that's just a huge advantage for being on the ground and just being mobile and because you know you could you could have the best think you might think you had the best spot in the world for that time of year um and you know you got a hot doe two hillsides over or something and all the bucks in the area are over there you know um and obviously you could do like some calling and some you know rattling and you can kind of move and rattle move and rattle if you if you like that tactic I don't know I mean, I rattle. I, I haven't rattled in a lot of bucks necessarily, but I still do. I think it's just the allure of it, I guess. Um, I definitely have rattled a lot and, you know, had does and small bucks and stuff kind of just come mingling by, like, within, like, five minutes. They're not even – they're not, like, looking for it, but, like, you know, I don't think rattling necessarily scares deer away. Um now, I have scared deer away with it doing it in the past, but like for the most part, I don't think it's I don't think it's deterring a ton of deer to just blind rattle and blind grunt. Um 
I don't know, hunt the way you want to as far as that's concerned. I, I don't really have any great opinions on, on those topics as far as blind calling and stuff. I do it sometimes when I'm bored and I just want to do it. And sometimes I, I feel like I'm kind of in a really good spot. So I, I kind of, I'm a little bit more hesitant to, um, so I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wishy-washy on that myself, but, um, I think that concludes my notes that I have. I just wanted to, um, kind of come on here and, uh, do a little podcast on my own and just kind of talk about this. Um, you know, uh, I know Byron's more of a tree stand guy. I don't think he's, uh, I, I don't think he's, he doesn't agree with some of the points I make as far as ground hunting goes, but he also, you know, he does a lot more content work with some of these tree stand companies. So he's, and he's got a backyard too, where he can do that. At. So he's hanging stands just so much more often than any of us are, um, that he's, he's really efficient as far as stand hanging goes, which you know, we all kind of are. We've been doing it for a long time, but it's just like to me to to fiddle with the stand to move thirty yards to the next trail. Like I know I need to do at times. I just kind of dread it, you know. Whereas someone who's as efficient and does it as often as Byron probably can just slap that thing down and move it thirty yards, no problem. Um, but for me, I just would rather be on the ground and just <laughs> just walk over there, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that'll conclude my podcast. Uh, Whitetail Experience, one of the first uh, shed casts, and we're getting into shed cast season. There's going to be some drinks flowing. we got some good stuff coming. Make sure to check out our YouTube. Subscribe to that. If you're listening to this, you probably already are because I think YouTube's probably where we're our biggest as far as all social media goes. I think we have a TikTok that uh, does all right. And I know we, we're trying to pump out some of the Instagram reels. Um, make sure uh, to check that out, especially when you see my attractive face. I'm usually sharing some stupid knowledge that uh, you probably don't want to hear, but hopefully you get a good laugh out of it. All right. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed this and White Talk Experience, we're out.